the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. Welcome to another edition of the Youthscape podcast with me, Martin Saunders, and she, Rachel Gardner. And uh, we're here in Luton together, although neither of us are from Luton. I am based in Reigate in Surrey, and you at the other end of the world <laughs> yeah. in, uh, in Preston. In Preston, although it's not the other end of the world, because for this series, the world yes. is not the UK. You're right. Absolutely. But it's worth saying, actually, that we are... We do kind of span a north-south divide in terms of the UK. Yeah, we do. Which feels big for our little island, doesn't it? It does. Yes. And uh, Rachel, how is youth ministry going in uh, Preston right now? Well, we're back in person, which we're very excited about. And young people are slowly coming back in person. And um, interestingly, the first thing we did back in person was an outdoor cinema. Um, and we, <laughs> not, I, I wasn't in charge of this bit, but you can see my kind of lack of tech skills all over it. We sort of were showing a film. And of course, it's quite light in the evening, mm. so no one could see it. But mm. they could hear it really loudly. But we had loads of fire pits out. And we had lots of young people from the local area sat around fire pits with us and saying things to us like, I didn't think I'd come tonight. I, I feel anxious being with people. So it's been really interesting listening to young people themselves mm. sort of articulate how they're feeling a bit unsure about this sort of mm. brave new world, but they really want to get off screens. They want to be back in person. And so it's feeling really, really fun. So we're doing lots of, uh, you know, outdoor cinema, outdoor pizza, water fight, all that kind of stuff, just because it just feels safer. And I want to ask you, I think had it not been for this COVID situation, I don't think we'd have thought about doing quite so much youth work outside. Mm. But it is a game changer. Yeah, It's so different. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Even how young people are is so different outside. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's very interesting. We found uh, in the first few weeks of, uh, of what was more sort of permitted face-to-face youth work again, so just out of lockdown, but as yeah. we're moving out through the gears, um, we found that young people were pleased to be back together but really, really struggled with the mask thing. Yes. And so what we found more and more was, was that they were turning up early uh, to sort of congregate oh, in small numbers in the yes. car park so they didn't have to wear a mask yeah. and then deliberately telling their parents to pick them up a bit late so that they could congregate outside and not wear a mask. Um, but we even then we saw sort of in the first few weeks, we saw the sort of initial excitement start to drop down. And the thing that has brought them back, would you believe, is that we're allowed to serve food again. Oh, and once yeah. you can put food in yeah. their hands, Absolutely. They, are, they are there. We're like that as adults as well, aren't we? Absolutely. You and mm. your cucumbers, of course. Yeah. Well documented. <laughs> Love the cucumbers. And so um, it's been really great to just have them have them back. And the thing that I've found more than anything else that we've been talking about and that they've been responding to is this idea of a place of belonging, a place yes. of family outside of whatever their family context is. It yes. might be really positive or it might not be positive. Yeah. Um, but but that, this place where they can be safe, where they can belong, you know, that's what church is all about. Oh, yeah, it is. And we absolutely, I mean, hear me, people, we have to be safe. And, you know, the, the area that I live in, we've got sort of um, sort of higher rates of community transmission at, at the moment. So we've, we've been very, very careful. But young people, they are managed every day in terms of school, walking in certain directions and certain bubbles. Like They are micromanaged because of COVID. And I just think we at the minster just had no appetite 
for doing youth ministry back indoors where we had to like say, you sit in that chair there, you sit in that chair there. You, like we were just like, actually, we just don't want to do that. We'll do it outside. We'll have like all the you know, hand sanitizers, wear masks when you get within two meters, but just sit around a fire and, mm. and just chill. You mm. know, it, we just were like, we're not, we're not going to be those that are herding them around again. So that's, that's felt like, oh, a bit of a, our volunteers are all going, oh, thank goodness I can just sit and chat with young people again, which is what I'm here for. We should say that we're, of course, recording this a few weeks in advance. Yes. And so hopefully you're listening yes. to this. You're like, what a face mask. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't even remember all yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it may be that there are still restrictions in, in parts of the yeah. UK. So yeah. I, I, I do still remember recording. Do you remember recording that podcast um, that never that never went out? Oh. Where we talked about, we, we interviewed Lucy Shuka and we talked about the... Um, uh, this COVID thing that was on the horizon. Yes. And we, do you think this will be a big thing? We said. Nah. Do you think it will be? We could, you know, we could have a couple of weeks off. Could, yeah. You know, we sort of talked Gosh. in the future. We said, oh, it might be, yeah. might be a few weeks. This thing. That was the last time we predicted anything, wasn't it? Yeah. My goodness yeah. me. Better not do that if again. We've learnt one thing. And of course, we're recognising as well that in this season, we we on you know within the UK, there's a kind of a diversity about people's experiences. But we're now thinking about the whole world, and of course, yeah. particularly today, we're only in, on a part of the world where there is immense suffering um, around COVID and just lack of access to vaccine and to healthcare. So we're we're very very mindful of that, friends, as we as we had this conversation, that yeah. that kind of backdrop. But we also need to be chatting about where we're at, don't we? What yeah. how is it affecting us at the moment? And for us in the UK, things are beginning to open up. Hopefully, as you're listening to this, it is opening up, and we can do youth ministry in the way that we really long to with young people for young people. So this is a special season of the yes. Escape Podcast. So exciting! Do you want to try and come up with a name for it this week? Because we've um, struggled to come up with a name for the series. Wrap round, wrap round, wrap round, wrap around youth ministry. A lot idea of like wrapping your arms around the world. Wrap round. We're wrapping our arms around the world. Wrapping our arms around the world. Yeah. Mm. Uh, anyway, something like that. That's what I want to do. Youthscape wraps its thing. arms around the world. Or tentacles. <laughs> I mean, does anybody want Youthscape to wrap its arms around the world? Can I just ask that first? No. Because that's, again, us being quite entitled, isn't it? Yes, it is. Here we are in Luton, wrapping our arms around the world. But that sense of holding it in the heart, in our hearts. Things maybe maybe it's the it? opposite. It's Youthscape podcast receiving a hug from the world. Yes. Receiving a lot of help from the world. <laughs> How about he's got the whole world in his hands? Oh! Amy! Oh, she doesn't speak often, but when she does, it's gold. It is. It's theological gold as well. It's absolutely like, it, gold. I just feel like something rooted us just then. Do you feel anchored oh, now? I do. I feel that this boat is well anchored. So are you ready for some fun facts? Oh, now, so hang on. Oh, wait, where are we oh, going? Oh. Where are we going? Oh, well, first of all, where we're going is to the most extraordinary place. Beautiful people. Fantastic place. India. Oh, we're going to India today. Amazing. amazing. So uh, would you like some fun facts about India? No, I'm all right, thanks. No, you do want some fun facts about okay. India. Oh, I love this. I love this. So as has, has been the trend, our first fact is a mountainous fact, <laughs> which I've not properly researched. There's a Himalayan mountain range. It's not a Himalayan, <laughs> the Himalayan mountain range yeah. in India. And, and it means snow abode. Isn't that lovely? The home of snow. So that's the, that's the mountainous fact. Uh, India is the wettest inhabited place on earth. Is it? Did you not know that? I no, didn't I didn't. Know that. No, not at all. I thought it was Preston. Uh, it also has the highest railway bridge in the world and the highest motorway. That is extraordinary. That is interesting. So we're talking height That's now. That's genuinely we're, interesting. We're going to a place where there's lots of height. Uh, and the ga- apparently the game of snakes and ladders originated in India. That is interesting. Yeah, as a way to teach children about karma. 
Oh. Interesting, isn't it? Next time you play it, as did shampoo. I don't think shampoo was teaching children about karma, but shampoo originated in India. How many official languages do you think there are in India? Uh, oh, like seven. Twenty-two. No. I'll have you know. How many official holidays? Right, let's work this out first. How many official holidays do we have in the UK? Official, like bank holidays and oh, like Christmas yeah. Day, Boxing Day. Is oh, it about six? Yeah, or six seven, or seven. Yeah, it? something like that. I have twenty-six. <gasps> wow! <laughs> Can I just add my own fun fact here? Yes. Which is that I recently found out. I was talking to my friend that lives in India. And I was talking to her about my wedding, which is in October. Wow. And apparently my wedding day is also the same day as Mahatma Gandhi's birthday, which is a national holiday there. Fantastic. Oh, that's gorgeous. That is brilliant. Of course, you've mentioned someone who we're very famous Indian man. Uh, now, apparently there is a place in India, the village of Shani Shinapur. It's famous for not having a door or a lock on a single house. Yeah. Do you want to know how much crime has been recorded in the last 400 years? It's an absolute crime wave. It's awful. They should put some doors. Zero. Really? Zero. No doors and no locks. And there's not been, there's no recording of a criminal act for oh, almost 400 that's years. It's a little morality tale, isn't it? It is. Oh, it's like a fable. It is like a fable. I mean, it's just devastating, isn't it? You think all the security that we have, line of duty, oh. 12 locks on the inside of her door... Gosh. And she still was part of the OCG. Anyway. We're not really supposed to talk about no, Ryan Jews anymore, No, Rich. we're not. You're right. The Taj Mahal, couple, couple lot more. The Taj Mahal is slowly changing colour. <gasps> is it? It is. Is it going like when you leave something out on your window it goes <laughs> a bit brown? I, I actually do think that's what it means. Right. But I was hoping it was like going from yellow to like rainbow or something. <laughs> but it's, no, I think it's just, I think it's just fading. Wow. So it's not really a you fun fact. You may have fact. just offended much of India. Yeah. But apparently during the Second World War, it was hidden under loads of bamboo, to like a bamboo pile. How really? clever is that? Wow. Yes. They hid the Taj Mahal under bamboo. Awesome. That and is, I'd love to stand and look at the Taj Mahal. I'd love to go oh, and see it. Yes. Are you allowed to go in it? Is it one of the seventh wonders of the world, isn't it, Taj Mahal? It's, it's yeah, one of the wonders of the modern world, I think. Oh, the modern world. But are you allowed to go in? No, no idea. No, you're not allowed to go in. I wouldn't have thought so. It's a very precious sight, isn't it? Now, this last one. Who Who is more of a tea drinker than a coffee drinker? No. Because tea is the national drink. Yeah. I mean, I think we just need to kind of like do a standing up, up over. I mean, can you imagine life without tea? Are you applauding that? I am applauding that a legacy tea. of colonialism? Oh, don't get started Are down that Are you applauding that colonialism? Oh, no, I'm not applauding colonialism. I'm just so grateful for tea. I'm just so happy about tea. That India is the second largest producer of tea in the world. Ah, yeah, okay. Beautiful. So right, you've redeemed it. I, well, I hope so. So I'm very sorry <laughs> that I've waded into bad waters there, but I love tea. I love yeah. a cup of tea. Oh, no. So why don't you make yourself a lovely cup of tea as we carry on the rest of this Yes, podcast? Well, well recovered. So as you said at the start, it would be fair to say that this has been horrific for everyone. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. there's this thing about, you know, we're all in the same boat. Well, we're not really in the same yeah. boat. We're in the same sea, but we're in yeah, different, different boats. boats yeah. um, and uh, and in this in this country, we've, we've certainly experienced that disparity. But there are other nations on yeah. earth that have a, mu a much worse time of it, a much Absolutely. different time of it to us. So we just want to acknowledge that. Obviously, it's nice to have some fun. But also, it's a very serious time. Yeah, our um, hearts are with everybody in absolutely, India. Absolutely, in India. Yeah. So, um, so that's part of the conversation uh, that we're having now with uh, Joyce Cherian, who is uh, an amazing, innovative, uh, works across India, uh, youth ministry specialist. Uh, and uh, so this is what happened when we got up with him.
So, um, Joyson, thank you so much for making time to speak to me today. I know that you're in one part of your house in India, while I think your your wife is maybe on a different call and your children are on school that's sort right. of calls as well at the same time. That's right. That's right. So basically in one house, four workstations. <laughs> and that's very similar to what we've experienced here in the UK. Um, uh, not, not now, but uh, back in our lockdown times, we had a very similar experience. So how long... How long have you had that? How long has that been how they've had to do school? We have been on this uh, since last year, March. And of course, the kids had a school vacation in May and June, uh, April and May, and then June again uh, this year. Uh, they are, uh, you know, so last year we started. So we are continuing since last year, March. Wow. So they haven't been into school no, since then? No, no, no. One whole academic year they had online. Do you have a sense, I mean, as a parent of the, is that okay? Is that having a big impact on them? Are you worried? Um, at this point of, at this point, we are not worried because they, they, they have a lot of, uh, um, on the Zoom, they are interacting with their, uh, or on the school, Google Meet and so many other avenues, they are constantly meeting. But we guess that the, the physical activity has reduced quite a lot. And uh, uh, I think they're, I mean, we are now getting worried, like last year was okay, but now we are slowly, you know, getting worried. Yeah. 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 So um, I think that's very interesting because people uh, have very different perceptions of India. So because we're, we're a, um, a long way away um, and we sometimes have, we see only the uh, uh, the sort of poverty end of India gets reported in in global news. So actually, this idea of a family of four uh, working on Google Meet at school, I think it I think it's really important to say that's is that normal in India. Uh, I would say that uh, perhaps the urban India, the urban India, and uh, I mean I wouldn't put a lot of let's say ten percent of India. This would be the story. Uh, there would be at least a good number of Indians, I would say uh, 10 to 15 percent of Indians or even maybe 20 percent of Indians uh, who were not affected so much by. But yes, we cannot. Uh, but for 80 percent of the country, it definitely was difficult. Wow. OK, thank you. That's helpful perspective. Um, so just tell us a little bit about uh, you do lots of things. You've done lots of things. You're very highly educated as well, Doctor Joyson. Um, but tell us, uh, t tell us a little bit about your youth ministry story. So your experience in youth ministry. Um, I actually uh, uh, began my youth ministry under my youth pastor, uh, and this was late teens, right after a camp where I committed my life to Christ and went to the youth pastor and said that, you know, I want to, I want to serve the Lord. And, and I had no clue that I'm going to do a youth ministry or youth ministry is going to be one of the specializations that God would be calling me into. I just went there thinking, not knowing what will be happening. But my youth pastor was very instrumental in mentoring in those early uh, couple of years and helping and encouraging and um, and I think it is in that in that place where I began to sense a connect with the young people. 
And uh, so, and I was doing my graduation. I was in my graduate studies during those days and uh, got involved with a parachurch organization, which was working among the campus school, college campus. And so those are my initial years of youth ministry experience. And it, it's been both, I have had the privilege of working both with the church, local church youth ministry, as well as the parachurch youth ministry. And can you give us a bit of an idea of what youth ministry looks like across, uh, maybe you can do the whole of India, maybe just your part of India. Um, you know, the, the obviously many different religious groups uh, in India. I, Christianity is probably, and certainly evangelical Christianity is not a it's not a big number, is it? So what, what does youth ministry look like across the country? All right. So if I was, youth ministry in India is actually a very fascinating area. Uh, historically, youth ministry in India can be traced to early 20th century when student voluntary movements, student Christian movement, YMCA, YWCA, Christian Endeavor, all of these were actively worked. They actively worked by forming groups of young people within local church as well as for interchurch groups. Now, during the early mid 20th century, indigenous student movements began to emerge. Now, this would include like India Campus Crusade, India Youth for Christ, of course, was an encouragement from the West, but also movements like Union of Evangelical Students, Intercollegiate Prayer Fellowship, Blessing Youth Mission and so on. All of them have roots completely Indian and all of these heavily focused on reaching out to college campuses. Now, this is the backdrop of the contemporary youth ministry in India. Generally speaking, it is post-1970 that local churches began to organize its own youth ministry independent of parachurch youth organizations uh, that I mentioned before. But by late 20th century, there began to emerge a clear gap between the local church youth ministry and parachurch youth ministry. Uh, interesting enough, post the year 2000, there are few indigenous youth ministries and movements that have emerged who are able to place themselves within the gap of this older parachurch youth ministries and local church youth ministry. Now, all this to say, youth ministry in India is multifaceted and that no matter what format or definition one would prefer to call as youth ministry, you can easily find in the country. Wow, so real diversity and very interesting, very interesting that you had that move from... Uh, the more parachurch to local church. So, so how how many churches across India? Like, I mean, this is a, a a difficult thing to ask, but but just give us a sense of the scale. How many churches across India would would try to be doing youth ministry on a local level? Do you think? Um, I think it would be uh, uh, now for a long time, even even right now, uh, the local church does not have an emphasis on youth ministry as much emphasis there is on children ministry and so the thing is right after the schooling is over they are assimilated into the you know the adult group but there would be a uh, within the urban church within the urban church in india uh, there would be uh, a lot of churches trying to develop kind of youth curriculum or youth ministries um, the, the idea of youth pastors, and that's not a very popular thing yet. We do not have many churches having youth pastors. Most of the churches will have an associate, a lay person who would be helping the youth group or something like that. So, uh, so on one hand, we don't have a very 
the point uh, in fact actually we don't even have a clear cut definition of youth ministry in india though we have a lot of youth ministry that's an interesting point so um do you think where do you sort of if you look forwards into the next 10 years what way do you think it will go do you think it will go into a, will there be a more formalized definition of youth ministry with youth pastors and what and a different question what way do you hope it will go what do you what are you hoping will happen in youth ministry i'm glad you asked that question today we are a country of 700 million young people below 30 years that is or if you say those 50% of india is below 25 years and uh, that's a very, very interesting uh, thing. So the thing is, uh, youth ministry in India uh, is going to reflect this demography within the church also. Now, it is true that the Christian community within, uh, within India is a small community. Uh, in the sense, let's say, uh, statically, uh, according to our population census, we are around 3%. But even in, I, I don't want to debate about that, how many are, but at least if even if we go by that figure, uh, there is going to be a demographic shift within the church because if 50% of population of the country would be below 25, youth ministry or the young people or the demography of the church is going to also reflect the same. So youth ministry will not be or youth meeting will not be an after church program we are going to see a major shift a major shift within next within a decade where we are going to see church as a youth ministry church as a youth meeting this is not going because by definition church is going to be church is becoming younger and younger and if 50% of the church attendance is going to be below 25 you can imagine that the youth ministry will not be a after church program or youth min youth meeting will not be a youth meeting will be the church wow you sound excited about that are you excited about that i am excited at the same time scared about the you know scared about what <laughs> yeah. the things it brings about <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean in in this country in in the uk the big fear with something like that is that um the, the adult church, the older people in the church are not ready or willing for the young people to lead a change. Would that be the same in India? I think it would, uh, it is, uh, um, uh, it would be very similar. But at the same time, we are also seeing more openness because as more and more young people, I mean, the demographic is slowly shifting. As it is shifting, we also have a lot of younger ministers who are coming up. Um, and, uh, you know, the older ministers facing out, younger younger people coming into ministry. Uh, there's going to be a clash somewhere where the ideals of the older generation and the enthusiasm of these younger, you know, younger ministers are going to clash somewhere. But I would say that at this point of time, um, uh, more than five years back, there is much, much more openness. Mm. Now, you... you um very kindly sent me a little bio about yourself. And one of the things that you said was that you're passionate about empowering young people to reach out to their generation. So how, how do they do that? Or how, how can they best do that? How can we um, empower young people to reach their friends? What does that actually look like? I think, I mean, you know, uh, th there are a few things I think I, I, I have spoken this at other, um, at other avenues also. 
um, Indian church needs to ask questions not which are in vogue or which are you know uh, which everybody is asking or which the Western church is asking uh, Indian church needs to ask questions which are uh, which are pertinent to Indian young people and so the thing is we don't ask the question what is you know what everybody is talking about we need to be realistic about what is so the thing is uh, uh, when we talk about empowering them uh, much of this generation they want to do something particularly with uh, I can say for the South Asian young people they want to do something they want to make something out of their life they want to do something and they want to do something for the Lord and so the thing is it's it, it's not just programs which are developed uh, somewhere else trying to answer their question which you know we can uh, promote here and then you know people will be trained into that now uh, we I, I think we have come to a point where the church in India slowly is recognizing that we need to develop a curriculum for youth ministry in the sense which is theologically sound and practically viable not just a copy paste from somewhere else but something so the thing is I think where we are looking at even I'm involved within right now one of the most interesting projects that I'm involved in is we do not have Indian seminaries or for that matter much of the South Asian seminaries do not teach youth ministry as a curriculum or a handful of them which teach youth ministry as a curriculum they depend on their curriculum for the West now this is the moment where we are realizing we need to develop sound theological curriculum by the South Asian writers and theologians speaking into the South Asian young people and who at the same time are working with the South Asian young people so they are not like armchair theologians they are youth ministry practitioners and theologians who are involved and and that's an exciting thing we're, we're getting a lot of you know a lot of seminaries which are getting open for that that kind of thing and once that happens this is what we saw with our children ministry you know 1960s and 70s children ministry Christian education became a part of the seminary studies and all of the seminarians and theological students were trained into it now we see that every local church has its own Sunday school or Christian education and they are not dependent on anyone else because they have been able to improvise they have been able to you know uh, do it on their own uh, being able to raise their own leadership and ministry for Christian education but that has not happened with the youth ministry but if we are able to invade that theological space and that percolates down I think that would be the way that will be uh, um, um, sound and you know something which will lay foundation for the generations ahead that is incredibly exciting and um, so I want to ask you a, a, a tricky question when we in the West, uh, which is a terrible uh, word, but, you, you know, the UK and the US, we look at India and countries like it and we say, how can we help? And what we mean when we ask that question is, which programs can we give you? Uh, can we send you copies of our books? Uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. But we are brothers in, in, in Christ. And, and I feel this amazing excitement this morning in talking to you you know, as, as somebody on the other side of the world who's as passionate about young people as I am. And so I do have the question, 
and and I hope lots of people listening to this have the question as well. How can we how can we help? What do you need from us as we try to support each other? Uh, what what can we do in the UK and the US to support youth ministry in India in a way that doesn't interrupt that indigenous development that you're talking about? Thank you so much for asking. And uh, I, I think the uh, uh, some of the things. I mean, this is this is something that. I have uh, uh, I have two decades of youth ministry, and sorry for saying some of these things, which has come out of experience. Is that sometimes the the, the Western Church, not all of them, but some of them, they think that the Asian Church is ten years behind. So the thing is, what worked for them ten years back can be brought here, and but what we don't really see is that that doesn't fit. Those are not the questions our young people are asking. That is not the the context in which any any curriculum is developed. They identify a particular issue to solve or a particular enemy to address to, but that is not the same thing within the you know within the Indian Church. So the thing is, I think there are few things that uh, the Western Church, which gave, or the we which have far developed youth ministry than the South Asian one. One would be endorsing. The local, um, the local developed curriculums and local developed program endorsing. So it, it, it gives a kind of like you know, it, it's a, like a pat on the back saying that you know, what you're doing is good. No, you don't have to follow what we are doing, but we have seen your thing. This suits for your thing. I mean, the, the, this is meeting the foundational things, uh, but it, it but it is put in a very different uh, format, meeting your need. An endorsement of that would. To go far, far. It, 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 it like it, it is like somebody saying that you know this is our curriculum, but this is for, for you, and you have somebody coming and patting your back. That is that is going to do of a great help. And secondly, I think um, not all programs uh, that are developed. I think one of the things that we we have this idea that you know anything that has a biblic, uh, biblical teaching is applicable universally. Now I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Please understand that. But the thing is this: Bible is interpreted different in different context. So the thing is, when you say that you know there is a curriculum which can be applicable universally, my friend, that is not the story. Every context Bible is read in a different format. And so the thing is, for example, let me put the way question about discipleship. There's a lot of talk about discipleship in the West. But is that the question that the Asian churches are asking? That's an interesting question to ask because when you look at the Western con content about discipleship, there is a lot of emphasis on relationships. But whereas in the Asian context, or particularly in the South Asian context, youth ministry by definition has a lot of relationship because of the cultural nuance. So the emphasis is not on the relationships or building relationships because that is part of the cultural thing. The emphasis there is more on trying to, you know, how can we retain somebody where you know where the attrition rate of those who come and go is more so the challenge that we face is completely it's not about it's more than building relationship it is about trying to understand their worldview trying to be in their shoes trying to understand what's going on with them those are the things that will help us so uh, there is always a connection but I think endorsement, understanding what uh, South Asians are doing and endorsing them, saying that this is good for you, that I think will go for a long, you know, in a long run.
Thank you. And I think one of the questions we genuinely want to ask in this uh, series of podcasts is, how can we learn from each other? So how can we learn from what you're doing? And I, and I think there's lots already that you've said that we will be able to reflect on. Um, I, wa- I wondered as we, as we finish, whether you might be able to share one or two stories of things that, are, um, that you see in India that are exciting, that are going on, approaches to youth ministry, things that you're involved in um, that you'd love to tell our listeners about? Um, I think the, the, there are a few, few things that uh, we are realizing uh, very much in India is, and I think we, we all share that, uh, is the context of the young people. Uh, though, you know, though the outworkings are in different format, one is, um, we are all coping with consumerism. Uh, even the young people within the Asian and the South Asian context, they are uh, they are heavily affected by nihilism. Uh, but their ex- their nihilism is more in the sense of, um, or let me put it in this way: there is an education development, but no corresponding job. It's like manufacturing cars without building roads. This leads to frustration. So the nihilism that comes has a different route, but you know the expressions are similar, and uh, um, or, or uh, so the thing is, how are the young people coping here? They are, you know, um, consumerism is one way we are coping. There is another way is returning to the tradition. Now these are some of the things. I think one of the ways that we can uh, we can uh, we can try to uh, work together, learn from each other, is trying to identify. Uh, though at large it may look same, what are the things that are at the root and how we are dealing with that and how can we interlearn from the, uh, uh, from that, you know, how we are dealing with the root causes. Now, at the end of the thing, I think the major search for young people is their identity, all of this. And I think in the West also, you would agree that. But the, the way they reach that place is a different route and the the western young people are reaching the same question from a different route now a place where we can learn that how are we reaching those you know those different ways we are asking the same questions but the route by which we are uh, that could help us or explore a new world for us you know so i am dealing the same question from a different perspective you are dealing the same question from a different when we have a conversation i think it Perhaps the the word would be right to use. It may lead to a holistic understanding, not a one-sided understanding. Joyce, and, um, thank you so much for making the time to uh, to speak to me this morning. Uh, I, with all the different demands on your Wi-Fi from uh, different members of your family at the same time, so so thank you. Thank you, thank you, Martin. It's uh, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Martin, thank you. That was a, a great interview. And, and yet again, like more of these themes sort of emerging across, you know, countries are different, challenges are different, but these interesting themes emerging. I guess one thing I wanted to ask you, we're, we're thinking about um, gathering together as a youth ministry community here for the National Youth Ministry Weekend. Do you think over the next few years, we're going to see more interest in youth ministry and these sorts of events, but from church leaders and 
people in churches that may never really have thought about youth ministry before, but because of mm. the crisis and the you know, decline in young people in churches, that, that they might it might go on the agenda. Do you, do you get that sense? Well, I hope so. I think you and I both know that if you are trying to get a church on board with youth ministry, if you don't have the leader on board, you are fighting a massive uphill battle. And I do think as more and more people leave youth ministry to go into church leadership, which is definitely a trend that we're seeing, um, you know, the hope is that many of those people will at least carry a torch for youth ministry and say, you know, I've not forgotten that this was my passion and therefore it will be easier to get new youth work started in lots of places uh, where there hasn't been youth work already. Um, you know, we did some research uh, a few years ago now, the Losing Heart Research, so five years old, would you Gosh, believe? Um, it's changed so much, doesn't it? Yeah, but we, we found that like sort of 25% of churches um, do some work with young people. There's 50% that don't have any young people. And then there's this other interesting quarter that have some young people that don't do anything currently with them. They've got some connection to teenagers. We've got maybe teenage sons and daughters of the congregation, but they don't do anything kind of formal with them at the moment. And I think that's the great area of opportunity. And so, you know, we make no, uh, you know, uh, no apology for the fact that at Youthscape we're targeting those yes, churches absolutely. and saying, yeah. do get into youth work, find a way in. So I do, I feel encouraged that, there's a lot of work being done to try to make that happen. You work with church leaders, don't you? You've been doing yes. some work yeah. uh, actually uh, around in, in Blackburn. Is it Blackburn? Yeah, well, Blackpool and Paulton and Preston are then starting in Blackburn soon, so all across the northwest. But, um, yeah, with Chris, our lovely CEO here, Chris, I was just chatting to him last night actually and saying a few years ago as Youthscape, we didn't really have church leaders on our radar. We were absolutely ch the champions of youth ministers and youth workers. Um, and we don't run events for young people apart from, obviously now we're going to be doing satellites, and, uh, but outside of Luton. So we really were, we're just about the youth worker. And then a few years ago, there was a sense in which, but what about those church leaders that with resourcing and equipping could begin to do something differently? And I, so I've been part of what Chris has been doing, running these launchpad courses with church leaders who, as you say, probably had five years ago some young people knocking about the church, or they have a few in their radar, and particularly coming out of COVID, they think, are they going to come back? You know, gone are the days where we can just assume they'll rock up because somebody in their family comes. So it's really interesting seeing what the unique challenges are for a church leader who is, you know, gets a, an email about making sure that they do stuff with this generation and that generation and that group of people. Mm. They're parish priests, they're church leaders. They have so much to do uh, to focus on. But when they put youth ministry as a kind of a missional core to their church, the knock-on for the entire church is, is, is more than you'd expect. It's not just about doing something for those four young people, although that is an end of itself. It's about the entire church saying we want to be a church that grows. So we're going to re re shift our mission a bit. So it's been amazing. So, amazing. so are we going to see more folks like that at the National Youth Ministry? Because that's what I'm quite passionate about. Well, I think I think we might. I mean, hopefully we'll have we'll, we'll have sold all the tickets yeah, to, uh, to youth <laughs> yeah. workers. But uh, but yeah, we do. I guess there, there could be a bit of a, a thought that you could bring your church leader. That'd be so, amazing. You know, what if you it? grabbed your church leader and said, yeah. "We've got a vision for doing youth ministry in this church. Come along and see what it's all about." Because you cannot fail to be blown away by the vision. Yeah. Um, when you actually come to the Youth Ministry Weekend, it, it's all very clear, isn't it? I mean, we have those mountaintop experiences at conferences, but this is this is the mountaintop for youth ministry, isn't it? The MYMW yes, is yeah. where you stand there. You see so clearly the heart that everybody has for young people and for God. And so in that moment, it's, very, it's a very compelling moment to get your, your church leader on board. 
So yeah, if you if in doubt, drag your church leader across, across to the National Youth Ministry oh, Weekend. Oh, awesome! I would love that. It'd be amazing. So uh, there might be. We don't know. I mean, I doubt there are many tickets left, but it might be. There's a few tickets left. So yeah. always check out. It's always worth checking the website. But um, yeah, stay engaged. Yeah, stay I, engaged and bring somebody with you. And I wonder whether we'll also see um, uh, more international kind of um, delegates at the National Youth Ministry Weekend. I wonder whether that trend will continue. But I also think, thinking the other way, I've been in a lot of conversations over the last couple of years where there does seem to be this uh, interest in more international learning. So, yes. you know, that's a bit like what we're yes. doing here right now. Scratching the surface, but this, yeah. this idea that, that countries and, and members of the youth ministry global tribe yes come on might want to learn <laughs> might want to learn from each other mm. uh you know and spend time with each other and especially now we've all become so comfortable with um video yes, technology absolutely you know actually it's really it's easy so for much you to, to yeah. build links and i think that could happen at a macro level with organizations talking to each other and denominations talking to each other but why couldn't it happen at a micro level with youth groups and with individual youth pastors um, you know, building links with people around the world. I wonder whether one of the outcomes, one of the inspirations of this series of, of podcasts for people might be to build a connection with someone wow. in a different part of the world. Wow. I mean, that's, fun. Ama that's amazing. That is amazing. Let's go so, do that. And I also, what I love is I think we've got the name of this season. Go on. Youthscape GT, Global Tribe. You say Global Tribe. Oh, yeah. That is it. That's the name. But you've put Youthscape at the front of it, haven't well, you? Yeah, oh, so it's not Youthscape's Global Tribe. No, it's no. Global Tribe. What was that? You just patted know. your chest Yeah, twice. it's Global Tribe. Very good. It feels like a brilliant band. Great. Well, that's <laughs> the end. <laughs> that's the end, possibly, end of our careers. And another episode of uh, the Youthscape podcast. We'll be back next time. Ooh.